Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody. We are live from New York City as Good Morning New York gets underway on this very cold Tuesday morning. At this hour, Manhattan's median rent took a hit as the market share of leases with concessions continued its rising streak. At the state and the state of the market, rampant with incentives and listing discounts is unlikely to change anytime soon, or will it? Bill Horgan is on board with us today, and he's going to explain all of that to us. Also at this hour, the Garment District is back in fashion. Real estate database Property Shark released its list of the most expensive neighborhoods in New York City based on 2018's median closed sales price. Guess what neighborhood comes in number one? Tribeca. Tribeca. Here we go. Tribeca number one. Soho number two. Garmento District or Garment District number <laughs> three. Interesting. interesting. A giant leap for that neighborhood. The panel is here. We'll break it down, so let's get at it. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. In the news this morning, according to Urban Digs this week, last week, the market stat, uh, stat- statistics in New York, I guess as of December, are as follows. 5,777 active listings were on the market. 2,343 listings are in contract in the month. Median days on the market remains at 90. Uh, Price per square foot is 1,341, so $1,341 per foot, price per square foot. Median sale price, $1,065,000. There were 499 new listings in December, 620 contracts signed in December. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Uh, 1,017 uh, sales actually closed in December, and the median discount off of the listing price is 5.4%, which I thought was about right. Listings taken off the market, 4,764 wow. units That's removed telling. from the market. That's telling. Listings um, that sold over asking price. So here's the dichotomy. The listings sold over asking price, 14% of all the listings out there. So at what, at what Almost level? 5,000, just in general, across the board. You know, So 5,000 um, listings taken off the market, but yet 14% of the listings that closed sold over asking price. Very interesting. Uh, the price. owners of New York City's Chrysler Building are putting the landmark Art Deco skyscraper you. on the market. The building's owners, the Abu Dhabi Investment Council and New York developer Tishman Spire, have hired commercial real estate firm CBRE uh, to market the landmark office tower, the 77 Story skyscraper was built between 1928 and 1930 and was the world's tallest building until the Empire State Building claimed that title in 1931. Originally the headquarters of the Chrysler Corporation, the Midtown Manhattan Tunnel, with its distinctive tiered crown, has long been a favorite with architectural critics and the border, uh, the broader public as well. It has also been featured in numerous films, including Independence Day and Spider-Man. I remember Spider-Man, but I don't remember it being an Independence Day, but whatever. <laughs> Just weeks after news broke that Matt Damon set a borough record when he paid $16.7 million for a penthouse in Brooklyn Heights' new condo, The Standish, the Wall Street Journal now reports that uh, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski are also moving into the building. The couple dropped $11 million on two adjacent units, giving them the entire eighth floor. Although their transaction doesn't set any records, it's still considered one of the largest ever in Brooklyn. Previously, Blunt and Krasinski owned a gorgeous historic Park Slope townhouse, but they sold it for $6.5 million last year because they weren't able to spend enough time there. 
woe is me. So let's double our price. So let's and just double the price. And still not spend any time there. One floor and still live in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the most recent price cut that Justin Timberlake and Jessica Biel gave their three-bedroom penthouse on West Broadway worked. The power couple sold their three-bed, three-and-a-half-bath condo in December for $6.35 million, which is far below their original asking price of nearly $8 million in early 2018. Through the year, they made several price cuts, finally landing $150,000 below what the couple initially paid for it in 2010. In any case, the unit, uh, the unit's next owner will have two tidbits to crow about whenever he or she goes to a cocktail party. They can claim that they just bought a Timberlake pad and they got it for a discount. Isn't that something? <laughs> Even the stars give discounts. In a win for Airbnb, a federal judge on Thursday blocked a New York City law aimed at curbing illegal uh, short-term rentals. The New York Times reports the law signed by Mayor Bill de Blasio last August and originally expected to take effect in February would have required Airbnb and similar home share companies to disclose the names and addresses of its host to the mayor's Office of Special Enforcement on a monthly basis. Soon after, Airbnb filed a lawsuit against the city claiming an extraordinary act of government overreach. Seriously, uh, a U.S. district judge granted the company's request for a temporary injunction against the law, which he wrote was unlikely unconstitutional. I have to ask you, Phil Horrigan. So, where, what, what, what's, what's the deal with this? I mean, well, this, I this think is a shame. That's a spe- that's very specific. I think that has to do with whether or not, as an owner, you have to give up or your tenant give your address to the government to Big Brother. So I think that's so I think that's where the well issue I think they want to identify yeah. who the the owners of these units are who are potentially illegally subletting or renting out right. their places. But so my guess they want to keep better tabs on that. Yeah, and look, you know where I feel how I feel about Airbnb, how we all feel. It's mostly illegal. It's almost all illegal in New York City. Almost every single unit that's Airbnb is probably illegal. Not all, but most are. But this particular law, I could kind of understand where the judge is going because look, at some level, you can't have like. You know, there's a little there's a little overreach there. You can't have like the tenant of every unit or that's potentially Airbnb sending out their address every month and, and their their specific information, address, name. You know what I mean? So my but guess saying is saying it's unlikely or it's likely unconstitutional. Right. So I think they have to pull back that law a little bit. I just think, you know, I, I understand look, as someone that doesn't really want the government looking into everything we're doing, I could understand where some people are like, okay, hold on a second. So again, not to defend not to defend Airbnb, but I just want to, you know, call it like it is that I, I understand where the judge is saying, okay, let's take a look at this. Like do we really want the government to have the specific name, address, phone number of everyone that's Airbnb? I, I I get that. I get that. All right. Anyway, the panel is here with me today. That was Phil Horrigan from uh, Freely uh, and LeaseBreak.com, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Sean McPeak from Halstead, Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman, Sean Atterbury from CORE, Anna Shagalaw from Halstead, and Noah Kaplan from Nest Seekers International will be here in a few minutes. All right, so let's get started. The Garment District is back in fashion. Uh, real estate database Property Shark released its list of most expensive neighborhoods in New York City based on 2018's median closed sales prices. While Tribeca and Soho remain at the top of the heap, the Garment District, which still has many showrooms and wholesale clothing uh, shops, as well as home to landmarks like Macy's between 6th and 9th Avenues and roughly 34th and 40th Street, um, hot neighborhood for retail, hot neighborhood for a lot of things, hot neighborhood for the Garment District, you know, back in the day, the heyday. I mean, how has that sort of surpassed? I guess, actually every neighborhood in Manhattan except Soho and Tribeca. How does it become number three? What the hell is going on in the garment district? 
think it's really, to, to be number three, I think is really surprising. Um, but the garment district coming back is not that surprising in that there are really big, beautiful loft buildings there. And it's an extension of Nomad in a way that um, um, Soho West came came about and Chelsea North came about. So it's almost like you can get a little bit better deal there, but still be in the in like the beauty of of what Nomad has now become. I have to say, you know, and and you know me, I'm I'm partic- particular about neighborhoods in town. I like, I don't like, whatever. But as a real estate agent, we go all over the place, and that's cool. I, for the first time in uh, this past summer, uh, was showing a client. Uh, we ended up buying somewhere else, but we were looking at all of the losses Anna just mentioned in um, that neighborhood. And I have to tell you something: they are spectacular. Yeah, Some they of really them are. are. Very big apartments. They're huge. You feel like you are downtown in either Soho or Tribeca. Uh, gigantic high ceilings, beautiful mm. old, you know, cast iron windows with with stunning views yeah. of Hudson Yards and wherever else. So, you know, if you're looking for that particular housing stock, I get it. And that's important too when you're looking at Hudson Yards. It's a lot of new development condominiums that are these skyscrapers and all glass. And then if you walk a couple blocks to you know Ninth Avenue, the yeah, across the street, you'll see these loft buildings. So I think you know I've had a couple buyers that I've worked with um, specifically in that area who've paused in the fall and are resuming again now. And it's going to be exciting to get back out there and see see what kind of inventory is out there. You know, and and as I was talking to local people in the buildings, I was waiting for you know agents to show or whatever. Um, and you know, most of the people, my my biggest question was so how does it feel like living here? Do you really like this? And I did not get one uh, negative response from response from anybody. I mean, the local shopkeepers, everybody said it's a very tight, uh, cohesive neighborhood and everybody knows everybody here and everybody likes everybody here. So I guess just like any other neighborhood, you just wouldn't think it because there's so much commercial and so many still factories. It's very midtowny. It's very midtowny, yeah, surrounded by authority. So it's like very it's kind of a mix Penn of Penn a number State. of different. It's kind of in the middle of Port Authority and Penn well, Station. Penn Station <laughs> and Port Authority kind of make it, it is a little dirty. Gritty. It is dirty. Yeah. Uh, but but look like you know I remember the days of tri- of Tribeca and I probably have said this on the air when you know I was Brady. looking for a first rental apartment way back when I was working in the in the uh, Wall Street area and I wanted to walk to work and so somebody said well why don't you look in Tribeca first of all I said how do you spell that you know this is way back when and I <laughs> you went looking around and there was it was gritty and dirty and and bumpy streets and it, it, the housing stock was awful but a lot like what you see now in the garment district old. Warehouses, old factories converted to rental units at the time. Uh, now I'm sure they're all converted to sales. Back uh, back in the day, they weren't. But it's like I said, uh, I don't know, not really. So yeah, I but didn't the, end up the there. street traffic in Garment District versus what Tribeca was way back then, it's I mean, it's incomparable. It's it's it seems like just a very busy neighborhood. Correct. Um, and from a crime perspective, they they tell me because you know my 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 buyer was very particular about certain things, and he did a lot of research. And the crime has come down significantly in that midtown ish like neighborhood of garment uh, garment district. So I mean, it you know on paper it looks like it's a great place to be. And again, if you're looking for that kind of housing stock or that kind of loft, lots of space, great for families. One apartment we saw was a huge duplex. I mean, probably close to three thousand square feet. Um, and priced, you know, under four million bucks. So it was a good deal, and it would had been renovated maybe twenty years ago. So you needed to update, but not so quickly. It was a fantastic apartment. I mean, just there's some really large 
apartments that are priced really below market. It was I one of our be, colleagues. Or it was, I guess, below listing. market. How yeah. are the schools there? There might be the, the, there may not be like a, uh, a school that's really drawing families, right? I'm not. Well, there Actually, are lots of families good there. I, good point. I don't know what he, this guy is single. I have so not heard of any decent school there. I don't there. go to school I mean, over there. The, yeah, outside the city. They're uneducated. That's a joke, everybody. They're Probably what happened in, in Nomad where you had all these, you know, toy factories. There, there, were, there were far more workers in the garment district. And Nomad was nowhere. I mean, Nomad was what? No, and you it's know, great it's, now. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's yeah. fantastic now. So, yeah, that's a great reference point. But, I mean, the schools, I, you know, I don't know. I really didn't check into yeah. that because, well, as, a, as agents, you know, we can't give that advice anyway. But just from my own uh, knowledge, but but this guy doesn't have to worry about but, all home But as the demographic of any neighborhood changes, the schools Usually will eventually do. change. I mean, it takes time, but yeah. the yeah. schools eventually change as well. All right, we have to take a break. Leave it there. Uh, we'll be back after these uh, commercial messages. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. We're back for segment two. I just wanted to say Happy New Year to my panel. Happy New Year again to everybody out there. Thank you all for a tremendous 2018. Our numbers, our ratings, our, you know, whatever, our you know, climb every week. And, and Thank you for being the best host on radio. We appreciate you, Vince. But every Monday morning, the first thing I do, and you could just picture this, I grab for the phone on the nightstand because Monday mornings are the ratings morning. <laughs> and I open up my email, and it's it's usually, I don't know, 7, 7.15 in the morning. And I'm always like, okay, I'm going to look at these before I have my first cup of coffee. And they're always brilliant, and they're always better. Than and then you don't need the cup of coffee. No. Get you going. Yeah. Over my dog, and it's like, okay, here the day starts. So, but anyway, thank you all for that because you know none of this is possible without all of you, and we're going to celebrate very soon. 
All right, so moving on. Are buyers making moves or are sellers still disconnected? So before we can get into some of the rental stuff, I want to just touch on the the, the sales market as we see it today, January uh, 15th, 2019. Are buyers making moves again or are sellers kind of still disconnected there? What are you seeing? Because I, me, I'm seeing a little bit of everything. I'm seeing a lot of sellers leave the market, as you said, over 4,000 listings left the market on, in December, and a lot, all those listings are coming back in spring. So <laughs> brace yourselves. Um, and I they think, I think back. buyers are actually remiss to not be buying right now before all of that comes in. A couple recently where I've made offers. Brokers say, well, if they don't get the number they want, they'll just rent it. I'm thinking they're going to have to rent it. They're going to rent it, yeah. They're not breaking records right now. I was seeing to a lot of To be overpriced in this market year, is just so silly. Yeah. It's yeah. counterproductive in every way. Well, it, it, it's counterproductive, but in, uh, the next thing I was going to say, lingering sales inventory is causing buyers to take their time. So when we talk about overpriced listings, are sellers taking into consideration the negotiations that have to happen? So, in other words, I really want 150,000. I'm sorry, I really want 950. But let's ask a million so I can get to my 950. What they don't realize is, if you ask 950, you have a better shot at getting it, maybe. But there's still some negotiation that's going to happen with that, whatever the price is. So, are they, you know, when when we are speaking to them, are they kind of factoring in the fact that they have to negotiate at some point, so they don't want to strip themselves down to the selling number because they feel like they might have to then go under that. I, I, I've listed two, two sales recently where we priced in an extra between like $10,000, $50,000 into each price. Uh, so we want to close as possible. Yeah, just psychologically in this market, I think you have to give yourself a couple points to play with. I mean, I, I don't think any listing mm-hmm. should be 100000 or better over market, which in the past was because a lot of times – You'd be it's able showing. to achieve that. Right. Well, I mean, we, we've got a little history now over the last year where we can come to our sellers and say, this is what's happening in the market. It's not like the top and it's just starting to decline. So if the sellers are not going to listen to that, then they're only hurting themselves at the end of the day. Or they're not real sellers. Or they're not real sellers. I was going to say, I think it also totally depends on the specific situation because in the example you just gave, Vince, 950, a million, you know, you, you price it at 950,000 or a million, it depends. If there's hundreds of apartments that are available for a million, uh, or so I should say for 950, do you really want to price it at a million? I, I think that's just, that's bad. However, I, I have had situations where let's just say there's almost nothing available in this particular price range. Then even though you think it's worth 950, going up to a million may be the right strategy in this yeah. market. So yeah. I really think it depends. Well, but but here here's what I'm thinking when we talk about disconnecting, uh, disconnected sellers, because when I read at the top of the, the show, 4,700 listings were taken off the market, and I'm going to go on the record saying probably because they were overpriced, priced too high, never going to sell, take a rest, take a break, come back in the spring, hopefully at lower prices. But then 14% of the listings that did sell last quarter sold over asking price. Well, maybe That's those brokers strategized it. So, I mean, so it's all strategy. If it, you have a wow price, people are going to come and put in offers. Yeah. There's no, you could have multiple offers, too. Like, so then yeah, why can't sellers... So the million-dollar question is then, why can't sellers listen when we suggest these things and show them numbers like 14% of listings actually sold for over asking price. So take a chance. And I always say to people, because my apartment's the best, you know, you right. always, right. Hear yeah. and I don't want to lose money and it's lined with gold bars. I mean, I get that 17 <laughs> years in the business, but you know, you don't have to take a price you're not comfortable with. So if you price it low and it gets bid up, 
you're in heaven. If it doesn't, then you reprice it or you just don't take that, that lower number. It's worth a shot. Those who have to sell faster than others need to really pay attention to that. The, the sellers who aren't serious, who can linger on the market for six or nine months, they're hurting it's themselves, a, it's a, but they're not in a hurry. It's a double-edged sword in that if you do strategize a little higher than than you should, then you're just starting counting days on the market. Ooh. And at the end of the day, that can also hurt you. And that street easy counter doesn't stop. Yep. Is it a great trade-up market right now? I think so. Oh, I think so too. I yeah. think you can. I think you can do well, especially if you're interested in new development. You can, you can still sell your resale and get a pretty decent price. Maybe not at the highest level your building was fetching like two, three years ago, but you can now scoop a discount on a new development at you know ten percent, maybe more. In some, I'm places. seeing a lot more in new development. That's correct, Sean. I mean, there is there are deals, literally. Yeah. Deals I mean, developers have. with time constraints and. You know, with scheduled payoffs with their banks um, are really motivated to sell right now. So if you bought a new development a couple years ago and you can sell it for a little bit of a premium off what you bought it, it it's a great time to trade up. I put two new development units in contract in December that were on the market for a very long time, finally got into contract, but both had significant uh, price reductions and and concessions and you know what at the end of the day the developer was very pleased and very happy that finally these two units are in contract they never lose money uh and they're good deals for everybody around so you got to be smart and if that's what you're looking for new development you got to pay attention i think jordan said earlier before the show started that you know people he's working with are starting to listen more maybe than they've ever listened to before and that's all we can ask for as agents trying to push this stuff go ahead Actually, I have a question for the group. My question would be, um, do you ever advise in this kind of market to have your sellers give a little facelift to their apartments, like a little renovations here and there before they list? 100%. Always. Yeah. Always. So then the other question is, what about a floor job? How big as part of the overall renovation is a floor job? What's the condition of the floor before you? It's 15 years dated. What's the condition of the rest of the apartment? It's 15 years dated. Yeah. Uh, there's there's different ways around it that you could polish. Um, I, had a, I had a kitchen and a fireplace that we just painted, and then we threw a rug over it. I will tell you, when it comes to floors, and this is just my little big, you know, hot point. I'm big on floors. I am too. Me too. So when Biggest I walk into a space, right? correct. Yes. Yeah. When yes. you walk into a space and the floors are gleaming or the floors look good, and we'll just leave it at good. Uh, I think that says to me when I'm looking that, okay, I can fix the rest, but as long as my floors are okay or better than okay, then I'm all right. I'm, I'm big on paint. paint. Right. I can always I'm, paint. I'm, I'm really big on paint. Yeah, yeah paint, yeah, paint. Sure. paint for sure. I think there's a big misconception on what it takes to get floors looking good. Yeah. Um, I, you don't need to lay new wood. And the, the hardest no. part is really just kind of getting your stuff out of the way so it yeah. doesn't get dusty. But it takes a couple of days. It's really not that big of a job, and it's really not that expensive to refinish what you have. Absolutely. And it makes a world of difference. You may not get more money for it, but you'll... you. You could very likely sell it faster. But the presentation of is closer to your ask is so much. That's right. Yeah. And and, and Adam, by selling it faster, you might get more money, right? Because now it's not on the market. Right. You'll get closer long. to your ask. Right. And yeah. then you have to yeah. lower the price. And, right. You know. All right. So how long until the rental concessions disappear? It seems like one out of three deals uh, lately have concessions of some sort. Uh, you know, three months free, uh, rent, etc. On a 12 or 14 month lease. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy wackadoo deals that are happening out there in rentals. 
which is fine. But how much longer do you think the landlords out there, condo owners out there, are going to have to continue with concessions? And when is it going to get back to, you know, a, a normal, and I use the word loosely, uh, rental marketplace? I mean, what, what are we seeing on the rental side? I know the condo rentals from my condo owners that I've done the last year, we've been all over the map with, with reductions and, and concessions and, and on and on. Who's paying the application fee, et cetera. What, what's happening in, in, on the rental side, guys? I mean, I can, I can talk to uh, my experience in, in Williamsburg, and I have that building, the Lewis Steel Building in, in, in Prime Williamsburg on North 4th Street. And prior to the L train, that and just in my specific case, we were given three months away on a 24-month lease to yeah. compete with a lot of the other buildings that were doing that. Um, That's after, significant. Yeah, it was it was a lot. And to be honest, some people were even given, you know, making offers 20%, 20% below what the ask price was, and we were already reducing on a very big level. Um, then the news that the L train wasn't going to get shut down came out. Uh, we took away those incentives. We did three deals in a weekend and had like 15 Yay. people to an open house, which was unbelievable. And, you know, we worked our butts off to get only a handful of deals in Q4. And then Fantastic. Yeah, that happens. And it was like, uh, lit it on fire. Situations yeah, so like wild. that I get because the train was yeah. going to, you know, collapse the whole, a whole marketplace, but just in general, I mean, you know, because the rentals have been so down. I, I I just wonder how how much longer that the the concession piece. I think it uh, matters. Lasts. I think it matters about price point and the type of apartment you're talking about. Um, we've done a lot of um, research and rentals and talking to a lot of landlords, just in like the lower end price range for certain apartments. And uh, you know, there's a lot of you know three thousand dollar one bedroom walk ups that are offering OPs or a free month concession right now. Uh, but I kind of see those drying up in uh, you know April May. But then when you're talking about like new development inventory and like you know, condos and things like that that are going to be closing and coming to market, I think those are going to be struggling because there's a lot of closings happening right now. And I think there's going to be a lot of competition on the market for high-end stuff. I agree. I think so, too. All right. So, you know, with all of it, and this, I guess you can include, include this uh, next comment in, in sales as well. Should and how must agents be collaborative with your co-brokers out there? Because we, I mean, I we don't do deals without exactly. absolutely yeah. the most important thing. I don't think it's know. it's market related. I don't think it's anything other than just being good at good at this business. I mean, it's just you don't make enemies, basically. Yeah, you know, why? Yeah. Been, you know, it gets, long, it gets you nowhere potentially. Yeah. You know, call, me, one call me when you get a chance. Is like the word. Like, let's have this conversation offline, not in writing. Let's get the deal done. Yeah, it's all about getting the deal done, and so whatever you have to do to get the deal done, and it's always best. I, you know, I like working with co-brokers. I mean, we all love direct deals for for direct deals, but I got to tell you something. I would prefer working with co-brokers because it makes life, I think, a lot easier, and especially when you can they're cooperative and you can work well with them. And sometimes you do deals with the same people many times. Sometimes you do deals with people for the first time. So. Just be you, you know, just like it, anything else in life. Just should, be you it, and understand. It should never be combative. Um, no, never. It, and it shouldn't be like this binary, like you are a winner, I'm a loser. Like, you know, it should. You yeah, know, everyone's can, working together. Both sides should be able to win. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, think, <laughs> I think Jordan made a, a good distinction. Pick up the phone and yes. don't put it in writing because right. the tone that somebody reads your email or your text in is not necessarily what you're meaning to put that's out true. there. Yeah, that's, so that's I have, the phone. I have said that for years. When things start to go sideways, and we all know in this business, things go sideways, pick, pick up, up the, the phone, phone because yeah. you get a lot more 
honey, as yeah. they say, than anything else because tone yeah. can and really people, make a difference. And people are a lot more aggressive behind a screen absolutely. than they are. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, um, quick question. Love your cobra. You nailed tough guys. You guys love your cobra. I know you guys do mostly <laughs> sound. Are you finding that there's less cobrooks in rentals overall? Yes. Like if you think yes. about the beginning of your yes. career, right? Yes. yes. It's, yeah. it's concerning to me. A lot of directs. Right. A lot of directs. Almost that. no directs That's, to sales. It's unbelievable. That's crazy. And I think the main reason is because there's so many fees being taken yeah. uh, out of agents' pockets. And also it's hard for uh, an agent to collect 15%. When I started in the business, it was all 15%. I get it. You're so you could easily. Right. You co-broke each getting about a month, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, people are asking if you're for a lucky. month max. You we got we got to go. But let's yeah, pick yeah. that up on the other side of the break. We're live from Blast. Star Productions here in New York City. Uh, we will be right back. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. We're back. Um, Phil, I'm going to ask to hold that comment just for a second yeah, because sure. I want to ask one more question, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about rentals. But yeah. what you know, what is um, with the off-market inventory? All of a sudden, you know, every day you, you go to the office or you're home or wherever, and you're looking at your emails, your work emails, and every once in a while, I'd say probably three times a week, I'm getting these off-market deals, deals, you know, through email. I can't list it. It's off market. It's coming to market, blah, blah, blah. What, what is with all these off market? <laughs> well, they're feeling, they're feeling it out. The sales, sales. A lot of the, a lot of the listings that left the market are still really on the market. I mean, we, uh, they won't be turning we, have, on the market, we have a couple of things that we market. took down that were, you know, quietly still marketing. I mean, whisper listing, whisper listing. Whisper listing. I don't even get that. That's uh, totally ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you whisper about it. Who's going to know about we're it? We're not going to tell Vince then. <laughs> Listen, no, I say, is it a pool of unreasonable sellers trying to gouge a price or, or what is, what, what, what is. They're feeling with, it out um, without counting the days on the market. But it's, but it's actually it's not, not not done. When it's officially not on the market, how many of us know that that's listed, or how many buyers out there who might depends be how often you check your email <laughs> and read those emails. <laughs> I don't get it. I'm like off market, <laughs> wonderful two bedroom. So put the damn thing on the on, on the market for for sale. I mean, it's like 
What does it mean? Days oh, on the traffic. traffic. You know, people don't want a million people coming to their apartment. Needed. I'll sell it if <laughs> yes, I get that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah, if I get, get that my too. price, I'll sell it. Yeah. Well, investors yeah, right. cool. think, investors <laughs> think, even on the commercial side, that they're going to get all, they only want these off-market properties because they think they're going to steal it from the seller because it's not listed. Well, guess what? You're going to pay a premium more yes. because more. it's yes. off. Well, but they, you can't, years trying to get them to understand this. They <laughs> so when I say unlisted. They'll learn the hard way. You know, regular apartments, not on the marketplace. I'm like, okay, I know. Tell me why. Tell me why. If I'm a seller, I want to know that my listing is all over the place, right? Out there to the broker community, out there to the direct buyer community, whatever. It's just a really tricky market to do that in, and everybody's so nervous, and there's no blanket strategy for the city of Manhattan or the city of New York. No. Um, so everything is just so different that a lot of brokers don't even know what they're doing and how to price and how to strategize. You think? You think? <laughs> so. Our biggest challenge. Love our co-brokers. Love. Love. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Manhattan's median rents took a hit as the market share of leases and concessions continued its rising streak, as I said at the top of the show, and the state of the market rampant with incentives and discounts. So, median uh, net effective rent fell 1.9% year over year to $3,221 per month. At the same time, the share of new leases with concessions swelled to 42.2% from 29.6% year over year. November marked the 42nd consecutive month of year over year increases with incentives. So, Again, we we talked about this a minute ago. Where are we with these incentives? And more to the point, because of all these fees and concessions and whatever else, brokers sort of are on the, the low end of the totem pole waiting to get their share of their hard work. Don't forget dollars. the new fee that's like $135 a month now whenever you post something on you-know-who. Uh, or it's more. Uh, a one well, no, one ninety dollars a month. A day. Oh, that's yeah, that's a that's day. another thing. It's four fifty yeah. a day, right? Yeah, one thirty five a month. That's another thing. We don't thing. want to talk about them. We don't put. I don't put all my all the listings that I have at the lowest Stibling, for example, online. There's there's no uh, there's no need, especially exactly. with street easy, you know, gouging everybody. Oh, because you put a few just Call me. like a new development <laughs> when people come. <laughs> You tell them what's available. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> well, so it's. Uh, I, I find the the rental market is sort of an enigma. I, I have a hard time really putting it in a few words because there are pockets that seem kind of strong. Overall, you mentioned the median rent rents are down two percent, which isn't horrendous. But like you said, there's a lot more incentives, well, so the net effective rent is correct. probably a lot lower. But it does feel like rents just haven't gone anywhere in the last few years, you know. And if you go back even ten years, I have investors that they're getting the same rents that they were getting ten years ago. It's actually amazing to me <laughs> when you look at like the last ten years. I mean, it's rents have gone nowhere near where people thought they were going to go when they bought these investment properties 10 years ago. You know, as Louise Phillips Forbes always likes to remind us, you know, 75% of the marketplace in New York City is still rental, okay? Or maybe even a little more than that. I forgot the exact percentage. So my question is, most of the the, the deals in this town or most of the, the, the housing stock is rental stock. So where's the disconnect? I don't understand why, you know, the where most people are renting for, on the buy side, I can get it. You know, we have cyclical markets, whatever. But on the rental side, you know, people renew their rents every every year or not. Um, you know, and some places don't have, if you're, if you're already in your building and you've been there for a long time, you're not going to get concessions and you're probably not going to get a no increase. You're probably going to get an increase and they will always try and tell you, well, you know, the market this and the market that. 
I see a huge disconnect on the rental side of things, more so than on the sales side. It doesn't seem to make sense. Meaning you would think that the rent should be higher? Is that what you mean? Or is that what you mean by the disconnect? They should be higher or they should stay consistent. I mean, they're high. in some cases, they're down because of concessions. Some pay cases, if you're already in the building, you get an increase every year, whether you like it or not. The rent stabilized percentage has gone up, right? So, you know, it's it's kind of like lopsided. I, it is not a consistent, you know, methodology right. when it comes to pricing a rental wherever it may be. Yeah, it's definitely really hard to price. Um, I still believe that one of the biggest changes in the last few years is all these new markets that have opened up. Um, I have so, so many renter friends, family members even, that are in Queens now, in Brooklyn now, and they would have never considered those neighborhoods. Well, same so that, on the sales side. Yeah, yeah yes. And so I, that dramatically, put, it really puts pressure on the rental market. Um, especially and, in Manhattan. Yes, especially in Manhattan. Um, so, you know, it, it's interesting because I have a different perspective now. I mean, obviously I'm still an Asian, but on lease break, when someone rents from lease break, I always like to see, oh, like how, you know, what kind of apartment was it? And then if they didn't rent it or had trouble renting it, I like to see what's the issue. Whenever they didn't rent something or had trouble or didn't get that many inquiries on lease break, or whatever, it is always seems like the same thing. It's like a, and I was just telling Anna this before, it's like a $3,500 one bedroom Midtown West where there's thousands of apartments. Yeah. It's, I mean, you, this is where you have to really price well. And you have to, as an agent especially, you have to really understand your micro market, your mini market, mm-hmm. and understand what the competition is. So whenever I'm doing research, trying to price something out, I always say, pretend you're the renter, do a search. And see how many one like they're looking for a one bed for thirty five hundred. See what the competition is. It's sometimes unreal how many choices the renter has. They're really Unbelievable. Are. Unbelievable. The, the concessions are amazing right now. We just did a lease at Seventy Pine, brand new Art Deco Seventy Pine, yeah, building in the in Fidei, and they gave us like two months free plus plus an OP. And the building's been open for like a year and a half. And then the gym is out of control. The amenities are amazing. It's the best. Well, OP is great, deal. and and you know that's one of the fe- the fears or, or the things I've been observing. You know, they they always come and go these OPs, but uh, for the most part, they don't exist at the moment. And then when you do see them, that that's a there's good thing. a lot of OPs out there. There are there's a lot of OPs. Yeah, Vince, right. can I make one other point? I'm yeah, sorry, Rent. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. about this whole Street Easy thing. I think it's important because I didn't get a chance to talk about it a few weeks ago. So Street Easy, uh, you know, they didn't charge anything for ten years, okay, for right. rentals. Then they charged, and they had thirty-two thousand rentals on their website, and it went down to fourteen thousand overnight. Right now, they're then they went back up to about seventeen or eighteen thousand. Then. Because their customers, agents, loved it so much that they were charging, <laughs> they decided a year and a half later to raise the prices 50% on those postings. And now it's $135 a month, which is $450 a day, right? And then the inventory came down even further. Yeah. So now it went from seventeen, eighteen thousand, 18000 now it's $14,000, 15000 So here's my question. What happened to those 15000 18000 rentals that used to be on StreetEasy? They're all over the place. And so this means that you as agents, too, when you're searching, they're tell your clients. Oh, we're they're seeing, on well, that's right. So there's Freely. There's Lease Break. There's other competitors out there. That's where these apartments are. That also has made the market so much tougher. But make sure you inform, it has, it has. Make sure you inform your clients. Great point. I've been, like you, I've, yeah. I've been, I've been of the opinion that the Street Easy decision last year has um, hurt the rental market overall. And I think absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and as someone who's listed a few of these units in the past couple, you know, the past, you know, year, uh, I've seen a lot of renters come through various portals that mm-hmm. I've never seen before. Right. Um, we, you know, we, we automatically post most of our companies to like 80 different portals. Absolutely. For any given Please listing. Break. I'm getting a lot of We're seeing, we're seeing a lot of people coming mm-hmm. through these other 
portals besides Street Easy, whereas Street Easy was pretty much like 95% should be. There shouldn't be any monopoly in this town like a big company like Street Easy who doesn't really care about the agent, really doesn't care about the end user. Um, it should be spread out, and these new firms, uh, FreelyLeaseBreak.com, have just as just as much of a reach as anybody else does. So, you know, I'm also seeing a lot from Lease Break, and I saw one or two from Freely, and it's like, okay, so this is cool. I mean, right. this, and these the are real is, live clients. And the thing is that there are part, I mean, as an agent, I used to always be able to tell a renter, like, oh, you know, come go to this website. I used to say Street Easy. This is like years ago. You could pretty much find everything on there. Yeah. That is not the case anymore. No, you can't. And, and the renters know. And, and the renters, renters need to mm-hmm. use agents. So as an agent, you could say, yeah. I know where all the websites are. Yeah. I know right. where to go. Right. You And so it actually makes the agent more valuable in this. And, you know, so anyway, I, I could talk about this. No, no, day, no, it, it, it does. I'm surprised that there's not a collective boycott of of the fees and of street easy i mean i'd be on board with that in a Game. second i mean i think they didn't didn't we try to attempt well, there's to do attempts, that exactly I but if, if all the firms Anna. get together and do it then what choice are they going to have revolution I, and That's I, right. I, think, I think it has to be firms coming soon in like a few weeks or a month i'm so excited about it and i think it's going to kind of really help agents and play into what you just said okay you know so not ready. Not gonna be, it's not going to be a boy ready. i mean Bring it, on. It, it, it basically has to be a firm thing and i think I you think know so way back when it was all, all this nonsense started probably a year or so ago um i think the firms got their backs up and then they kind of relented a little bit and then they kind of you know well because whatever. not everybody was on board and then those people were going to get all the business so you can't absolutely. unless everybody does it absolutely yeah Rebney needs firm thing Rebney yeah. has even released a statement he's got to stand up at some point they can now they can I'm not paying my revenue invoice 100 percent ridiculous I don't think anybody I don't think any agent should pay revenue fees until they address this I mean your revenue fees are due now they haven't even released a statement they haven't released a statement we get to say we're a revenue firm that's what it gets us well we don't get anything I didn't know save with you but what is the point what saved street easy was they smartly decided to cut deals with the two biggest firms and when you cut deals to the two biggest firms, you kind of can see it from the firm's well, perspective. Well, that's why I said it's got to be a firm thing. And right. when those two firms do that, right. then forget but, it. Yes, right, but in, in a way, because you know, look, I'm, I'm a business person, so I get it. If you're these big firms, it's also a great way to increase your market share, right? So well, you're, of course. You're basically saying, hey, this is a great opportunity. Hey, dude, everybody is thinking about themselves, exactly. right? Everybody's thinking about that's their own true. business. And yeah. that's the sad part, right. because we're not thinking about the end user, and we're certainly not thinking about all of us who work for some of these firms and who you know, say, look, you know, this is our livelihood. You know, it really hurts the feet on the street. Mm-hmm. You know, not not the, the the big shots up there, but but that's it. It it's a it's a numbers game. That's all it is. Is yeah. a numbers game. That's unfortunate. So the you know, listen when 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 the when the fee went up to four fifty per day, I think it was, I'm like yeah. out of yeah. control. Insane. Who does that? Fifty percent later, they tr- they raised prices fifty percent after everyone complained. They decided to raise them. By the way, their stock is getting crushed, yeah, their and they're really hurting. So they're basically taking they're taking short term gains to please their investors. I mean, they have quarterly estimates. They keep missing their numbers, even though they're doing all this stuff. They're still missing their numbers. That tells you how much they're struggling. Maybe they need to go to Russia. <laughs> we are going to take a break. We have a lot more to come back right Back after in the, the USSR. Don't go in the away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters, performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. This is what is going on. Anyway, we are back when we're here with Noah Kaplan from Nest Seekers International, Anna Shagalaw from Halstead, Sean Atterbury from CORE, Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman, Sean McPeak from Halstead, Niall Lundgren from Compass, and Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com. Uh, and Freelance. Nice mix today of firms. Wow. It's a mouthful. Yeah. Nice mix yeah, of firms today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not Halstead heavy today. <laughs> We're a little skewed, but still. <laughs> a little? <laughs> anyway, as the new year, I love this story, as the new year dawns, you may find yourself harboring illegal contraband. That was recently, as of last year, the perfectly legal container for your takeout dinner. Okay? Now, all of a sudden, oh, it's... Uh, okay. Now we know you're going with this. It's contraband. But as part of Mayor de Blasio's zero waste <laughs> campaign, zero waste campaign, I didn't even get the title, manufacturers and stores may not sell or offer single-use foam items such as cups, plates, bowls, trays, or clamshell containers as, as of January 1st this year. Uh, the foam ban joins more notable new legislation on the books as of 2019, including laws affecting minimum wage, cigarette sales, baby changing tables, baby changing tables, uh, paid family leave, and gender options on birth certificates. Okay, so here we go. Now, <laughs> number one, options. stores that contain pharmacies, so stores that have pharmacies within, can no longer sell 
tobacco products. Okay, so your local bodega can because there's really not a pharmacy associated. But well, no, not in the front part of the store. Yeah, not in the front part of the store. <laughs> we don't know what goes on behind the curtain in the back. But typically, they can't, you know, whatever. Styrofoam ban, and this is the one that gets me the most. Styrofoam ban happened effective January 1st. Now, every Tuesday morning, because the local coffee vendor on the corner here, 52nd Street and Broadway, is the only one who had in years, four years, styrofoam cups, okay? So Tuesday mornings, especially in the wintertime, I always stop there, and she always gives me my coffee. She knows exactly what I want, and it always is in a styrofoam cup. And I like it because I can drink my coffee slowly. It doesn't get cold. It's this or that. This morning, she looked at me because she knows. <laughs> she looked at me. She said, and she waved the cup in front of me. She said, um, you know, the new law. I said, I don't want that. <laughs> I said, don't you have any styrofoam underneath there? Were She said, no, I couldn't buy any this week because it's now against the law. So marijuana comes in and styrofoam goes out. Okay, you're reading my mind. So we're <laughs> going to talk about contraband. I yeah. mean, so, I mean, you know, come on. A styrofoam cup, one little coffee cup is not going to hurt. One little coffee cup times, times eight million. Exactly. <laughs> I'm all for it. I know you hate yeah, it. Again. I'm all for it. I think it's. I think it's about time. I think it is too for everything other than Drink coffee. Your coffee <laughs> <fast>. <laughs> Drink your coffee, guys. Drink your coffee. This has been going on for years. What is it? Two favorite cups to insulate. Now we're using this two. Is hot. This, well, this, 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 this is at least recyclable. Cup. It's so. It's so hot. If you know her, you could probably bring your own thermos and she'll. I, your ah, you know what? Ah, that's that's, that's sustainability. That's, that's not doable in New York. You of can't carry a thermos around. Of course you can. Yeah. A car, that's a different story. <laughs> on a chain yes. People, people yeah. carry water bottles all the time. You fill it with carpet. Yeah, when you go into yoga in your apartment. No, I carry one with me. around. All right, also as of 2019, New York City will allow people to change the gender markers on their birth certificates from M to F or the other way around. So oh, non-binary non option, birth certificates will also offer X as a gender-neutral <laughs> marker meant to represent a gender identity, not exclusively male or female. Okay. The law will also permit uh, people to change the gender on their birth certificate without a medical professional's sign-off. So if you feel it's you're a not little male odd. and it's you want to be female, left, you okay. could, well, it is. It doesn't really make sense. It, it does not. The New York State Well, it doesn't to us, but it does to them. There are people that it makes a lot of sense for. Does, if a doctor, if, if you're unconscious and a doctor finds you and you're gender X and they have to do an emergency surgery, I mean, how does that work out for you? It doesn't make sense. Well, they, they, well, they can, if they're a doctor, I think I hope that they can they figure start, out which way to go. Once they start looking, <laughs> you know, as we said earlier, once you remove your shirt in public, hello, you know, they'll figure out what you are. So that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, or not, the New York State Paid Family Leave Act signed by Governor Cuomo in 2016 changes this year to allow workers 10 weeks of paid time off to care for a newborn, adopted, or foster child, uh, or to care for a family member with serious health conditions. I think that's a great, yes. great change. So 10 weeks off uh, based on the new Paid Family Leave <clears throat> Act. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, so... You live in a rent-stabilized apartment, and your landlord has just informed you that when your lease renews, he will be raising your rent substantially from $1,700 a month, which you currently pay, to $2,500 a month just because, and he says, you've had preferential rent, and now you got to pay. Totally legal. What is your, well, number one, is it legal? Number two, what is your recourse? I, I don't Move. think you have any. Uh, I mean, so what happens sometimes is that the rent-stabilized rate is sometimes actually higher than what the market could bear, right? So uh -huh. let's just say the rent-stabilized rate on your lease is 
the most the landlord could charge you was $2,000, let's just say. But the market can only bear $1,300. I'm using crazy low numbers. Okay. So what happens is that that's called uh, preferential rent. So what happens is that they give you a rent for $1,300, $1,400. But the landlord at any given point can raise the rent to that Two thousand dollar mark. So that yeah. sometimes is what happens, and it's now, it, it that, tricks people because they assume. When you, yeah, he's that's right. Rent stabilized. I thought that could only happen when you're free market or open market or whatever you want to call it. No. When you pay whatever you should pay, rent stabilized has got to be certain. So, Preferential so rent and rent stabilized are two different things. When you right? when you sign like yeah. a let's say a new rent stabilized building, like there's a bunch on Avenue D, and when you sign the lease, you'll sign a lease on it. It'll say six thousand dollars per month for a studio, and that's like the max rent. That's when the stabilization. Like comes in, like what right. Bill's saying. So you're like six thousand dollars. What's this for? And they're like, well, that's the actual stabilized rent. Uh, but I, I thought there might be some type of restriction on what you can raise it on per year. I didn't think yeah, you'd yeah. go over fifteen percent. Yeah. How much? Up to five percent. And there's a there's a board that that um decides on it per year, and they decide whether it's going to go to one, two, three, four, or five percent. Well, wait, are you thinking about the rent stabilized increase? Yeah, that's different. Well, there's a definitely every year they do a rent stabilized increase uh, for for that for that rent stabilized rate. But if you're getting something below what that rent stabilized rate is, because like I said, the market sometimes can't bear that rent stabilized rate. I, I, I don't know, I'm pretty sure Vince, maybe there's some something that they can't raise it beyond 10%, but I know tenants have been burned by this and there's really nothing they could do because on the lease that they sign, it says yeah. the most the landlord yeah. could charge you is yeah, in the, the case usually. Yeah, yeah. In the, yeah. In the, yeah and you is. just described yeah. the case of like, let's say $6,000 for studio which sometimes happens in these new buildings that are rent stabilized. I don't quite understand how, how that happens, but um, so that, that's called preferential rent. When they're giving you a rent that's below what the rent stabilized rent is, I'm pretty sure they could raise it. I mean, I, I don't. And know. I'm pretty sure the landlords right? are filled with glee when they have to tell you you have been have you know right. um, uh, under preferential rent you know conditions whatever, and now I need to raise you X amount of dollars, and you know that just is what it is. It's just like these these mom and pop stores all along the avenues and, and boulevards in our wonderful town here. One after the other are closed. I went in a in a in a, a Uber last night on the way home from work, and along Amsterdam Avenue. I'm going to get this wrong, but I think it's between 87 and 88th Street. Slowly over the past year, one store went out, the second store went out. Now I noticed yesterday the entire strip of stores is completely out. It's in a it's in a apartment building. Um, or whatever, and every one of the stores, the whole block, boarded up, closed down. I, and I hear I'm thinking, what used to be there? I can't even remember anymore. Because what's know, that doing to well, the monthlies of those residents? Well, you that's know, depending scary. on what kind of building that is, that, yeah. that, that that's a problem. But landlords, you know, in this town, as we said before, greater than seventy five percent of the income of the the housing stock is 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 rental. But a lot of these stores that we all love and 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 participate in. You know, they're all going away because they can't afford the rents. Online shopping is getting, you know, completely mm-hmm. out of control, I guess, in a good way. And before you know it, we're going to be a city of glass towers along every boulevard, every avenue, every side street. That'll keep us busy. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I, think, I think retail I think retail businesses are going to evolve. Experiential. Yeah, well, and I, yeah. I think like Bonneville where like you can order online, you come and get it tailored. Um you know, Amazon's even opening brick well, and mortar stores. Well, you're seeing stores. a lot more pop-up stores, too. So I think you're going to get a lot of pop-ups. There's a lot of pop-ups, yeah. But I want the old mom-and-pop stores, yeah. the pharmacies, you know, the the, the shoe repair man. I mean, whatever. I don't have a shoe repair. I can't get my shoe shined in my neighborhood the past <laughs> yeah. three years. What is that? Yeah, yeah, there's no shoe shines. 
Also, you shoe shined. That's no a business opportunity. Also, right also, if you think about the subway station, you think about the market. All right, guys, I got to close. We're way out of time. We're out of time. That's it. Thanks to my guest. Shoot for the moon, everyone. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. And the only person you should try to be better than is the person you were yesterday. Peace out. Be kind to one another. All of us at Voice America, all around the world. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye, Thank you, everybody. Vince. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. Thanks again for listening.